0: welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist and personal trainer and I live on a small hobby farm. I have a huge passion for bodybuilding, but I don't fall into the typical bodybuilding mold. The naysayers, they can have their bro science. Yep, I said it. I'm a natural health and nutrition nerd. Some would call me a granola, but that couldn't be further from the wrong word. I stay away from the typical processed standard American diet and I don't eat granola. I created this podcast to share my health journey and the many things I've learned in my quest to find what it takes to live a mindful, happy, balanced life for all humans, not just athletes. I hope to help you discover your inner nerd and help you make some hefty deposits into your knowledge bank account that can help you crack your health code.
1: And what we see nowadays is that we have this chronic runaway inflammation so one of the best ways we can do this Uh, to be able to anti-inflame is to have a nutrient-dense whole foods diet that's rich in these anti-inflammatory fats and other good healthy fats. So one of my favorites is cod liver oil because it's natural. It has vitamins A and D, which are really important for our immune system, which is really important now and our cognitive function, but it has these really good omega-3s in there. And so it can help our body to anti-inflame.
0: Hello, hello again, and welcome to another episode. I am so excited today, you guys, because I have been wanting to get someone to come on the podcast for a while to talk about PCOS. So today we are so lucky because we have Danielle Hamilton on the show. She is a nutritional therapist specializing in blood sugar, insulin resistance, PCOS, intermittent fasting and weight loss with a holistic approach. She is an amazing wealth of knowledge and has so much information to share about her own journey with PCOS and the keto diet, which is some really interesting things. So I'm so excited to have her on the show today. She has a ton of knowledge and a great story, and I think you are going to love it. So before we get started, if you could just hit the pause button and go subscribe to my podcast, that would be wonderful. And if you could leave me a review, it would help me out a ton. I don't have a bunch of ads on here. I try to keep things pretty ad-free so that we can just enjoy our show without any interruptions. So those subscriptions and those shares and those... Um, reviews really really help me out because that helps get this podcast out for other people so that they can have this information too so thank you so much and after you get done with the podcast if you want to share it on instagram i know it's pretty easy to go on spotify and share to your facebook news feed your instagram stories all sorts of stuff give me a tag i would love to see it and enjoy the show
2: Well, I'm so excited to have you on here today. I have a lot of listeners that have PCOS and um, you know have struggled with it for a long time, and so you have quite the story with yours, and so you're mm-hmm. coming on to share it today. So yeah. let's start by introducing you.
1: All right, my name is Danielle Hamilton. I go by Danny, and I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and also a health nerd because I guess my story, I feel like a lot of the people in the wellness industry kind of get their roots from having their own issues that they worked to resolve. And when you work on yourself, you learn so much. And so I wanted to expand that further and be able to help other people. And I started, I went to nutrition school, but my story, I guess, starts from when well, I was always kind of like a sickly kid and I had a lot of ear infections. And then as I got older, I had strep throat and asthma and allergies and chronic sinus infections and all sorts of just, I had a, I guess a pretty poor immune system. I was eating a lot of, you know, I was eating the standard American diet. And then I, in 2012-ish, I did a real food paleo diet and so much of my health improved, but I had this like nagging hormonal imbalance that was not getting better and was actually really getting worse. And so I was having symptoms like I was gaining weight. I was trying to lose weight, but I kept gaining weight. I had really regular periods. I didn't have a period for over six months and then it was three months and then it was just really far apart and irregular. I had really bad cystic acne and it was, it's really hard as an adult. Like when I was a teenager, I had acne and I was like, Oh, I can't wait for this to go away. And it just got worse. (laughs) And I'm like, come on, you know, like cut me a break. And I felt like I was doing everything right, but I just, I was just having these nagging symptoms that wouldn't go away. And some other women with PCOS will also have hair growth on their face, which I did not have luckily. And they will also experience some kind of like male pattern baldness. And luckily that wasn't a symptom that I had, but I did have enough symptoms to be classified as having PCOS. And when I went to a gynecologist, because I thought I had PCOS and I wanted to do something about it, I was told I went in and I was like, I'm having a lot of trouble losing weight and my periods are irregular and I think I have PCOS. And so I had an ultrasound, which showed that I had cysts on my ovaries. And he's like, yeah, well, you need to lose weight. (laughs) I was like, are you serious? That's what I came in here telling you I couldn't do. And I have so many people reach out to me and say that they have a similar story where they get told they need to lose weight but they can't do it and the so i tried for such a oh sorry go, to go back um so then he told me that i had to take the pill and that there was no cure for pcos and i walked out of that office and i was like oh my goodness i am going to prove him so wrong and i did but it took a lot of work to figure out what needed like how to start reversing this because um, you know, I believe in, in real food and eating nutrient-dense foods and just doing that wasn't helping and I was exercising a lot, doing a lot of yoga. I was doing teacher training back then and I was doing stress management stuff and nothing seemed to be helping. And so one day I was listening to a podcast by Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos and they are like fasting gurus and they're very wonderful. I highly recommend them but Megan said something that it literally almost made me get into a car accident because I was just so shocked by hearing this. She said, PCOS is essentially diabetes of the ovaries. And it just stopped me because I'm like, what diabetes? I'm like, blood like blood sugar, diabetes. I always, whenever I was learning about different things about the body, back then I would always just brush over the blood sugar section because A, I didn't understand it. And B, I was like, uh, I don't have diabetes. Like I don't think this applies. And meanwhile, what I ended up learning the two most important things that I learned are that, um, PCOS is essentially blood sugar dysregulation. So insulin resistance plus inflammation. And if certain women have these two things going on, it can trigger them to develop this hormonal imbalance that they, that comes with these collection of symptoms and they dub PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. So some women have cysts on their ovaries, but that's not enough to say that you have this, um, this disorder, but essentially if you don't have these symptoms, then you don't have PCOS anymore and reversing insulin resistance and like reversing your inflammation is totally doable. So when I was trying to treat my PCOS before, I was trying to do things to affect my progesterone. And it's like, oh, take Vitex and take myo and take these different things because they're going to help your sex hormones. But what I wasn't doing was paying attention to my blood sugar. And your blood sugar is going to be the root of all other hormones. So It's always going to be downstream or upstream. I guess I'm not good at that analogy. It's always going to be at the root of Mm -hmm. your hormonal imbalances because insulin, which gets released when we eat carbohydrates or sugar, is a hormone. And so in women, when we have this uh, high amount of insulin, we're going to see our testosterone and male sex hormones start to elevate in men, it's actually the opposite. Too much insulin leads to too much estrogen, and then they'll have estrogen dominance and low testosterone. So in women, you can see di- that direct link between having too much sugar and having high elevated uh, male hormones, which is classic in PCOS. We see a lot of the, the issues like acne and the hair loss and the and the hair growth on the face, that is due to these high levels of male hormones. So by treating the root cause, I was able to really make a huge, huge impact in my PCOS and reverse it. And now I have no symptoms of it. So I say that I don't have it anymore. <laughs> so.
2: That's awesome. I love that. Well, and you know, that's the thing that really is frustrating to me. Um, there's so many different sides of the coin, right? I'm like you, Um, I lead towards trying to find a natural remedy to things, you know, Mm -hmm. and eating the correct foods and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then you have other people that come back at you and they're like, well, it doesn't matter. It's just calories, you know, and that's just strictly not the truth. And I hate it. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And so. I myself have a similar type of deal, only I don't have um, PCOS. I have Hashimoto's really bad. And Mm -hmm. I switched to an all paleo diet and it changed, completely changed my my life for the time being. But the problem is, is I'm a competitive bodybuilding athlete. So when I place my body under a lot of stress, as you know, stress Mm -hmm. is also not good. And so because I have trouble mitigating stress on my body due to training, Mm -hmm. I am struggling with it again right now. So I'm trying to find a balance. I've got my food all in check and all that, but now the other balance has to come with, you know, training and things like that. So lots of facets there.
1: Yeah, and I can find that in myself too, that like I can be – for me, it shows up as this insulin resistance and difficulty losing weight. And that will kind of come back at me in periods of stress, I tend to hold on to weight in my midsection. And it's like, oh, I'm doing it again. I know when I'm stressed based on how my body is responding. And so it is, you know, it's, it's kind of like a double edged sword, um, kind of like a blessing and a curse. You know, we have these sensitive bodies that will tell us when they're not happy or they're out of balance. And it's, it's nice to be in tune with your body so you can, you know, work towards bringing it closer to optimal health. But then again, it's like, why do I always have these issues? I just want to, you know, live my life, but it's kind of a balance between that. So when
2: you started your journey to, um, to change your, your habits, where did you start? And when did you start discovering that diet was a big part of that?
1: Yeah. So, I loved the paleo diet, like you said, because I saw so many changes in my own health, but the paleo diet, I think is just a real food diet and it, it gets you halfway there, but then what you need to do is start customizing it for your needs. And so what the paleo diet does not say at all is it doesn't tell you what ratios of your macronutrients you, you should be having. So. It is by default a lower carbohydrate diet because a lot of the foods that are higher carbohydrates like breads and rice and, and things like that are not included in that diet. However, there's no specification. So my paleo diet looked like having acai bowls and smoothies and, uh, and honey in my coffee and sometimes white rice and things like that. And it was eventually just it. I was so carb centric and such a carbaholic that I would have a, uh, you know, sweet potatoes with my meals. I always had carbs and this was just too many carbs for me. So when I found out, when I heard them say that the PCOS is the diabetes of the ovaries. I started to look into blood sugar. And I was listening to a fasting podcast at the time because I was really intrigued by all the benefits that fasting had. So I did start to do some intermittent fasting. And I experimented with some longer fasting as well. So I tried to do like a three day fast. And that was really hard because I was not, <laughs> keto adapted at all at the time. And I was, um, you know, I had very dysregulated blood sugar, so I don't recommend starting with a three day fast. Don't do <laughs> what I did, but starting with intermittent fasting, I tell my clients to just start where they're at. So if you're eating, if you wake up and you eat at seven and you stop eating by seven, that means you have a 12 hour eating window and so you want to work on slowly reducing that eating window to be something like aim for let's say 8 hours that's a very popular fast to do at a 16 8 which is where you're fasting for 16 hours of the day and eating for 8 hours of the day just that in and of itself really helps to lower those insulin levels which is what is chronically elevated when we have insulin resistance and our body is just not able it's kind of ignoring the 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 signal of insulin. And this is causing major problems for our body. If, if insulin is in the blood, we are in a fat storage mode. Only when insulin is down, can we begin to burn stored body fat. So this is a huge thing that I learned and that has really helped me. So understanding what insulin resistance is, is it's kind of like these confusing words and concepts, but it will really help you to help to direct what will improve it when you understand it. So I'll get back to insulin resistance in a minute because I'm getting a little off topic, but I so I started with the fasting and then I also started doing a ketogenic diet. So I still stayed paleo because I firmly believe in this real food approach, but then I just took out those paleo carbs which were, you know, the sweet potatoes, the plantains and the fruits. And I got rid of those and just added more fat. So I my plate generally looks like a high quality meat with vegetables and a lot of fats. So that might be like ghee or avocado oil or olives or olive oil, um, things like coconut. And I didn't do dairy because I'm sensitive to dairy. So you can do keto without doing dairy. Um, And then you can also do keto without doing these like, you know, stevia and these pre-made, meals and things. So I did a very real food approach, which I feel is important in addressing that other component of PCOS, which is the inflammation component. So if you're eating processed foods, no matter what your body is going to be inflamed, because these foods, and I'm talking about like highly processed foods, like pizza and cereal and things from a box, not like a can of like, um, like pureed pumpkin that 's organic you know that 's something yeah. that's you know that 's mildly processed, so there's there 's these degrees of processing, but when we 're eating these very very highly processed foods, our body is just going to inflame, and so when we are continuing to trigger this inflammation response we 're never going to allow our body to heal, so when you eat real food, you and you have this good balance of your fats because fats ultimately go down one or two pathways it goes down an inflammation pathway or an anti-inflammation pathway that's why omega-3s are such a buzzword because those are anti-inflammatory and in the standard american diet we tend to overeat the omega-6s which are inflammatory and that's not to say that omega-6s are bad but with nutrition we need all things in a balance so if we are having too many, we need to, and we need to be able to inflame, right? Some There's stories where there's some people who took such high doses of fish oil that they can't inflame anymore. So again, we don't want things to, it's not like all the omega-3s is better. We need that really good balance so our body can do both things. Like if I cut my hand, I need to be able to inflame to bring all that blood and healing substances to my hands so it can heal, but then I need that inflammation to turn off. And what we see nowadays is that we have this chronic runaway inflammation. So one of the best ways we can do this uh, to be able to anti-inflame is to have a nutrient-dense whole foods diet that's rich in these anti-inflammatory fats and other good healthy fats. So one of my favorites is cod liver oil because it's natural, it has vitamins A and D, which are really important for our immune system, which is really important now and our cognitive function, but it has these really good omega-3s in there. And so it can help our body to anti-inflame. And there's also other different herbs like turmeric and things like that, that can be helpful. But getting that, um, so balancing the, The macros, so having really low carbohydrates, higher fat and moderate protein, and then the intermittent fasting were the two biggest things that I did to help to reverse my PCOS. Because it's not reversing PCOS, it's really reversing the insulin resistance and the inflammation. So looking at it through that lens could be so helpful. So because it's like, what do you do to fix PCOS? people don't know the you know it's it's confusing the research is inconclusive but if you go with the root causes it's known how to reverse insulin resistance and and then reversing inflammation it could be a variety of factors of why you have inflammation so it could be that the issues with the fats, like I mentioned before, it could be toxins, it could be mold, it could be different things, uh, heavy metals that we're exposed to. So some things kind of take a little bit more time to tease out if you're still having issues. And after you've done a ketogenic diet for a while, it could be this toxin, these, this toxic load that you might have that could be kind of tipping the scales towards being inflamed. So you can't heal 100%.
2: And I love that you talk about all of this because this is a lot of stuff that I have talked about with others as well. Mm-hmm. And so you're hitting the nail on the head, girl. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh, yeah, God. I just, I recently had Dr. Ken Berry on my podcast love as him. well. I I just saw that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, he was so great because he, you know, he basically tacked things down like you did. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also very thankful that, um, you mentioned doing a real food ketogenic diet because there is Mm -hmm. a lot of um, um, keto propaganda out there these days and still some fake, fake food. And so it's really great that um, we focus on eating real food still, even if it's, um, you know, lower in the carb area.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I don't want to discount. um, So they call it dirty keto when you let's say go to a fast food restaurant and take off the bun. And for some people, I don't want to like bash that a hundred percent because that's sometimes where people need to start. So there are some people and maybe they're not your listeners, but there are some people who are like, okay, I need to begin somewhere. And maybe it's that they need to begin somewhere where you, you know, you meet people where they're at. So if they're going to McDonald's every day and they want to start to change their health, maybe that means getting a burger without a bun. Maybe that's the first step for some people. And then once they start to see some changes, they might be motivated to continue by seeing these big changes, which you will see big changes if that's where you are at and that's where you kind of transition to. So for some people, that could be a stepping stone, doing dirty keto, right? But then you want to, I always say, like you will never find full healing unless you are eating real foods. So that is definitely something that you want to kind of work towards. So if you're not quite there yet, start by lowering the carbs and start by doing the intermittent fasting, reducing your eating window. And for some people, one of the one of the biggest things that I teach and people come at me with this one, they don't like to hear it, but you will see a huge improvement with your blood sugar balance and your ability to burn stored body fat and all this if you stop snacking. And I always recommend to people if they do have blood sugar issues, go eat one to three meals a day. A lot of people see a lot of benefit from doing one meal a day. Sometimes that is too intense for women. So I do also want to say that if you do have a somewhat regular menstrual cycle, you don't want to be fasting the week before your period because this is when our bodies as women naturally need more food and we need to be building some hormones during this time. So there is... I do hear some different things about when also you could potentially do some carb ups and this can help with some hormonal balance as well. So what I would recommend is that if you do have insulin resistance and PCOS is that you get into a state of ketosis for several months, staying in pretty strict keto so your body can get adapted. You'll start to see reduction in your PMS, which is something that I didn't talk about yet, but I saw... I used to have really bad moods before. Um, I'm very sensitive. I would have a lot of breast tenderness and bloating before my periods. I would have cramping with my periods. And after I was in ketosis for a few months, I almost like right now, I never even know when my period's going to come. I get a notification on my phone that says, Your cycle is about to begin. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, really? Because I don't have those symptoms. It's wild. And my periods are so nothing. Like I don't have pain or, or bloating or tenderness or anything anymore. And that's something that's been really amazing. And, or, and it doesn't come with these like intense cravings that I used to have either. So before your period, you want to make sure you're nourishing your body by giving it you will probably feel naturally more hungry and giving into that hunger and not being like, Oh, I need to fast. I need to lose weight. That is a dangerous mindset to be in because we want to make sure our bodies feel nourished and also feel safe. And a lot of women who do have PCOS or who have insulin resistance Or just women in general, we have this history of yo yo dieting and restricting our calories. And what we may have done to ourselves by doing that, by restricting so much, you know, this, like you said before, this calories in, calories out that is terrible advice that has been messing up our hormones and our weight for a long time. What happens is if you chronically restrict your calories, your body is not stupid so what it's going to do is yeah it will start to lose weight at first but then it's like i'm not getting enough fuel i can't keep burning this many calories every day so it will slow down your basal metabolic rate and it will slow down how many calories it burns while you're doing things. So that's why you can't control your calories and expect to lose weight because our bodies are not a closed system. It, they change depending on what's happening. So your body will downregulate your metabolism. And so now, let's say you were eating 1500 calories and your body's burning 1600, let's say. And so because you have this calorie deficit at first, your body might lose a little bit of weight. But then what's going to happen is your body's going to be like, oh my goodness, I can't keep burning this much or else we're going to die. So then you're eating 1,500 calories, but now your body is only burning 1,400 a day. It's going to make you tired. It's going to send signals that you're hungry. So it's going to counteract what is happening. Your body has a weight set point that it wants to stay at. And so if you kind of try to trick it it's going to kind of backfire and it's going to slow down your metabolism so now you're eating those 1500 but now you need to jump down to 1300 cuz your body already you know went down so now you can eat less and less and less and less and we're just we're not nourishing our bodies we're just restricting 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 and we still see that we're our our weight is going to come back up or plateau so what i recommend to people is you need to start nourishing your body and giving it consistent signals that it is fed that it is safe and only then will your body be like okay i'm safe now i can let go of this so sometimes it looks like overeating a little bit more than you normally would at the beginning so you can can send your body these consistent signals that it's safe and by eating really good nutrient-dense foods that are lower in carbs. So maybe you have like a big, you know, grass fed steak with some ghee on it and some, some healthy vegetables drizzled in olive oil. Like I'm talking about like nourishing healthy food, not like, Oh, shoving your face at, you know, golden corral or something like that. So that's not what I'm talking about. When I say like, you know, we need to balance the feasting and fasting, so for some people, maybe fasting isn't what they should be doing at first. We need to nourish, nourish, nourish. And then if you your body feels good, you can start doing the intermittent fasting, but then thinking about making sure we're not fasting and overdoing it the week before our periods and really listening to those signals that our bodies are giving us. So that could be something that might help.
2: And, you know, I love that you brought that up about the calories and having to decrease and decrease, you know, I, it's funny. I watch all these forums. I actually just recently took a social media hiatus here because mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I can't look at this anymore. People are yeah. like, oh, you just have to eat less calories. And like, like you said, your body down regulates things. And I can tell you this from a, the front lines, being mm-hmm. a competitor, getting stage lean, I have done this over mm-hmm. and over again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's crazy what your body starts to down regulate like it it down regulates everything even to the amount of how much you talk with your hands and like when you get stage lean and you're ready to step on stage you feel like a zombie like you do not feel well (laughs) you do not have your period you it gets rid of everything that's necessary your hair growth Mm -hmm. my hair felt Mm -hmm. all oh my gosh I huge bald spots everything like so this is like people might think it's glamorous to like be like one of those girls on a magazine cover but really there's not a lot of glamour to it you're just messing up your system and there's better ways to go about doing it you yeah. know going about looking good and being fit and feeling your best
1: right and i love that you said like being fit because a lot of something else that really changed when i started to go through this whole process of you know being keto and fasting and adopting this new lifestyle and it's that i instead of focusing on wanting to be this picture that i saw in my head that i should look like i started to work out more and do some strength training and weight training and now i just want to feel strong and fit and it feels so good to feel strong and like i feel like aesthetics is so secondary to my body functioning the way I want it to function so I can do the activities I want to do and feeling strong and resilient and focusing shifting your focus on what your goals are from this purely aesthetic thing to more of like a function is like I want my body to feel good I want to feel energetic I want to feel strong I want to feel happy I want to feel clear-headed it's those things are so much more achievable than like I want to be skinny or, Mm -hmm. you know, this, whatever picture that you have in your head and like girls with muscles, (laughs) you know, like it, I think it looks good personally, you know, I want to be, (laughs) you know, (laughs) someone who's strong. And, and I mean, when I met my wife, she's super strong, working out, personal trainer, like that, I think that women need to be less scared of like, and so we can maybe talk about some workout stuff that would be appropriate for women with PCOS. We, I mean, I'm sure you can agree with this or attest to this, that if you walk into any gym in the United States, well, prior to <laughs> March, um, mm-hmm, you yeah. see <laughs> most of the women on the cardio machines and yes. you see most of the men on the weight machine or the weights. And it's yeah. like women, <laughs> ladies go pick up some weights. Like that. it's,
2: <laughs> I'm a personal trainer, and that is one thing that you know I have been trying to teach people is you don't have to abuse your body with hours of cardio, mm-hmm. um, and that's not the optimal way to lose weight. You know, it lifting isn't. things and moving things is metabolically healthy, it right? Is. And it also is going to burn calories
1: all day. Mm -hmm. Yes.
2: Rather than just that time that you're sitting there going at it up on the elliptical or the Stairmaster. And, you know, the other thing about that is that your body is going to have all sorts of other health benefits that come along with that. I mean, we're talking increased bone density, less of a risk of osteoporosis, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to age better. Like, There's so many different things, you know. Plus, muscle and fat don't live well in the same place, okay? So, rather than spending hours and hours on a cardio machine going for it, if you start lifting weights, you're automatically going to start changing your body composition because that muscle and that fat does not want to live in the same place. Now, if you're on a cardio machine and you don't go and lift weights, you might be burning fat, but what's going to be replacing that? Like you're just going to, you know, there's that term skinny fat. You have no shape. Mm -hmm. You are kind of just, you've lost this weight, but you're like a, you know, a soft bowl of jelly, (laughs) you know, and that's not what any woman wants to look like. So anytime you're looking at you know some person in a magazine or on social media that you mm-hmm. you um
1: you happen to like more than likely they're lifting weights right i agree and another benefit to lifting weights and is that you improve your insulin sensitivity which is the mm-hmm. opposite of insulin resistance so you can start that's another way it's less powerful than fasting but it is hugely powerful because you want to build this muscle, improve your insulin resistance and having lean body mass. So having muscle is so important for aging purposes. Like when you age, your lean body mass starts to decrease and they have all sorts of studies that they're starting to do with this and, and look at the just longevity and health outcomes with people who have a lot of lean body mass versus who don't. And it's, it's, great to start when you're younger, putting on this muscle. And you just, you feel good. You feel this different type of strength and empowerment that maybe you don't have. So I know that when I was in the throes of my PCOS and really struggling with it, my self-esteem, I mean, I was uh, into my health, yet I was overweight and I had adult acne. And it was so disheartening as a woman to feel like, you know, I, I consider myself like a health professional and I can't even, you know, I'm wearing my issues, you know, not everyone, not everyone's health issues are visible, but those were two issues that were so visible. And then I felt so bad about myself for, and to be able to like reframe, to be able to work out and feel like, wow, I'm really strong. It gave me this strength that I needed at that time to be able to kind of keep going. And so I think that's something that could be really important for a lot of your listeners who are struggling too. It's like, focus on strength, focus on, you know, improving your your body's functioning in the physical aspect and everything else is gonna start to follow because we also need to talk about the mindset. You know, if you're negatively talking to yourself, if you're like, oh I'm so fat, I'm not losing weight, I'm this, I'm that, like if you have this negative self-talk or like I'm never gonna lose the weight, I'm never gonna do this, your body hears those things. And so not only does exercise help boost your mood, but it can make you feel strong. So it's got this, it's a multiple benefits of working out because it can also help your mindset as well, which we need to be able to heal. So. I love that. And then, you know,
2: back to the cardio just for one second. Oh yeah. If you are, if you are struggling with autoimmune or PCOS or any heavy inflammatory type of thing going on, Mm -hmm. um, and you, are one of those chronic cardio people. I call it chronic you,
1: cardio too. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. are
2: actually increasing the stress on your body as well. Cortisol Absolutely. levels are going up. Inflammation is going up. Mm-hmm. You are actually contributing to the problem.
1: That thank you. I wanted to mention that but we <laughs> we have such a great combo. It's like so much to say. <laughs> so, yeah, and and this is what I say to all of my clients who do have insulin resistance and and PCOS is that we need to look at stress like exercise is a stress but it's a hormetic stress so it can be beneficial but if it can be beneficial if you're in a healthy spot so if you are having insulin resistance chances are your adrenal glands which are the glands that produce our stress hormones like cortisol and epinephrine and stuff these glands are probably really tired because of having these blood sugar imbalances, it really negatively impacts our adrenal glands. And plus we probably have a lot of stress because we're women in the modern world and who doesn't. So we're to exercise is to put more demand on your body. But if your body is healthy and resilient, it overcomes that and gets stronger, but we don't want to be stressing our body. Like you mentioned at the beginning more than it can handle. You would say like, let's say doing a, a small sprint is, is something that would be really healthy for someone, but not if you have a broken ankle because that's too much stress on the body. So knowing where you're at, like lifting weights and doing like a rest-based interval training, as opposed to high intensity interval training is something that I like to do. And you kind of know, it's, it's kind of easy to figure out because you're going to feel after you lift, let's say I do a set of like uh, deadlifts. I will feel my heart rate up and then you start to feel it come down and that's when you can go to the next exercise so for some people who are just starting out and who have this chronic stress you'll want to lift and then sit and rest up to like 2 3 minutes between sets because you want your heart rate to come down and that's when you're just starting out if you are feeling good and you're feeling like okay i you know i want to keep building then you could do more high intensity intervals and so if you want your cardio quote unquote you just lift weights and don't rest as much in between sets and so you keep your heart rate elevated but for the people who are feeling let's say you do a workout and you feel exhausted afterwards or exhausted the next day that's a sign that you worked out too hard for your body so the next time you go in rest more in between sets and see how you feel the next day that's a really good indicator of it. Did you work out too hard for your body or not? So mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Yeah. And I love that because that's something that I focus on a lot with my own clients is, you know, keeping the intensity in the gym up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, what's use this weightlifting, um, cause cardiovascular exercise is good for you, you mm-hmm. know, um, but in with done in the proper way. Exactly. And so if we can get a little bit of our cardio in while we're lifting weights, we're Mm -hmm. getting benefits in all realms. Exactly. I like that you touched on that.
1: Yeah. And if I am going to do some kind of like a cardio activity, like I love rollerblading, I will tend to do more focus on more like intervals or sprints. So then I'll do like a sprint down a block and then just stroll and then a sprint and then a stroll. And so that's, also shown to have more benefit than just that chronically elevated heart rate, where you're not giving yourself a chance to calm down. And I'll feel it immediately. Like if I went too hard, I'll feel it the next day. So it's good to be in tuned with your body and feel instead of just like, oh, I'm tired. I'm gonna have coffee. It's like, why am I tired? You know, I'm always mm-hmm. asking myself why and trying to connect the dots of how I feel so I can prevent feeling like that in the future, or I can learn more about my own body. So a lot of this process is going to be people starting to really tune in to how foods make them feel. Like, um, and that's especially important with carb tolerance. You know, So if I eat, they say, quote unquote, they say that you can have some berries when you do ketosis. So I, for example, had like a handful of raspberries with a meal. Well, what happened after I did that? I was craving sugar and I felt really tired. I'm like, okay, maybe I can't have this many raspberries at a meal. So next time I had fewer raspberries, but I was still craving carbs. I'm like, you know what? I'm done with the fruit for now. So it's like playing with and being open to what your body needs at different times. And the cool thing about keto and fasting and all this is that for a lot of women, you, you don't need to be in ketosis forever for the rest of your life all the time. And so that's one of the things that I'm learning is that my body's carb tolerance is really improving and my metabolism has improved where now I'm able to burn body fat burn glucose. And I just feel that I'm able to tolerate more and more carbohydrates. So I can add in some of those healthy carbs that, you know, the point of, of, you know, keto, we're not trying to demonize every single carbon. It's like, no carbs are good, right? Like we tend to do this with nutrition. It's like all the anti-inflammatory, all the, like all the fats. And it's like, we need to, that's easier to say. So it's normal as humans that we would do that. It's like, okay, this is If this is good, this must be better. If this is bad, I'll never have it again. And so it's easy to kind of get caught up in that because it's easier to remember. (laughs) But we need to be open to changing. Our body's needs are going to change day by day, year by year. So we need to be... Flexible. And so now I don't have such a strict carb, um, ketogenic diet, and I'm able to do carb ups and have some, let's say, carbohydrates at night sometimes. And this has actually really helped me because I was starting to lose some of my hair, just I think from overdoing it. And so what do I need to do? I need to stay adaptable, stay fluid, and kind of check in and be like, okay, let's see how I do with a few more carbs. And I can start to see that I could start to overdo it really easily because carbs are a slippery slope, especially for me. I have been a carb addict and sugar addict my whole life. And so i it's about finding that balance. But one of the great things about keto in general is that I was such a sugar addict and it actually made me be able to have a control that I never had and take away this like incessant chattering of the sugar dragon I had that I always say that lives in my head. Like you should have carbs. You should get, what kind of sugar can you get at the grocery store? Like what kind of chocolate can you have? Like hiding away, you know, a chocolate bar in my drawer or something like that. Like that's how I was. And when I finally did ketosis and essentially got my blood sugar under control, all that chatter, it just quieted. And it was one of the most liberating things because a lot of people think, oh my God, you can't tell me I can, I have to do ketosis and I can't ever have, you know, some rice ever again. And it doesn't have to be forever. And it doesn't need to be all or nothing, you know, like quantity makes a really big difference. But for some people like myself, I'm not a good moderator. I'm a really good abstainer. So knowing that about yourself can really help too, whether you're, much better at abstaining from something 100% or moderating it. But what keto has helped me do after being in it for two years is now I'm much better at moderating because my blood sugar is not driving me to make these decisions. So if your blood sugar is crashing, You are not going to make the best food choice because your body is in the survival mode, like get glucose, get glucose. And so what does that look like? A bag of chips, some cookies, you know, you're going to reach for something that's easy, quick sugar to bump up that blood sugar. So a lot of this, this pattern of like eating these high carbohydrate foods, it's just a vicious cycle. And so once you can step out of that cycle, allow yourself to kind of detox from these things, it gets so much easier. So for a lot of people who are listening, like I could never do that. You can, like, you don't even know how I used to eat. I was like pancakes and cereal two times a day. And I'd eat a, you know, I'd go to a barbecue and eat the bun with ketchup, but no burger because I didn't want the meat. Like I was just the opposite of how I eat now where I would just eat the burger now with no bun or ketchup. Right. So we're so adaptable. So you can do it and start slowly and baby steps and just stay consistent because our body needs that consistency in order to start changing. So if you try something, stick with it for a while, find an accountability partner, start a social media where you hold yourself accountable. There's so many ways to, uh, you know, find community. Like your Instagram, I'm sure you have a lot of followers who are in the same uh, same boat. So you know, reach out to someone who's going through it as well. So that could definitely help. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said that also, because it's crazy. You have all those
2: sugar cravings and, but when mm-hmm. you start in incorporating more fat into your life, mm-hmm. do you actually are not hungry that often? It yeah. seems to me like I get, sometimes I'll go all day and I'll be like, "Whoops, well, I didn't eat all day, you know, cause I had a, mm-hmm. a heavy fat breakfast and it just sat with me all day.
1: Yeah. and I never, I used to look at people who are like, Oh, I forgot to eat. I'm like, how could you forget to eat? Are you serious? Like I was always thinking about food and needing to eat every few hours. And if that's you, that's a huge sign that you should be eating less often, but more protein and fat at your meals. So protein is actually the most satiating macronutrient, but fat also is like a, a big log in a fire. It burns low and slow. So when we have those fats and the protein, it can really help to take you through to the next meal and you just don't feel hungry. And when you do feel hungry, it's not this intense hangriness where it's like, Oh my God, I need to eat something. I'm shaking. Like, give me anything you have. Like, it's just kind of like, I could eat like, Oh, I feel maybe my energy's dipping a little like, Oh, maybe I'll have something to eat. And then you eat, but it's not this, that intense like hunger that you feel. Would you agree?
2: I agree 100% wholeheartedly because it's funny if you, especially as a competitor, if you would have told me that I wouldn't be hungry, Mm -hmm. even probably eh, nine months ago, I would have been like, yeah, right. You're hilarious. Yeah. You know, but then when I started incorporating more fat into my diet and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of backed off on the carbohydrates, it was really incredible how satiated I was. I wasn't I wasn't constantly like, oh my gosh, I gotta eat something. Or yeah. I would literally look at the clock. I would look, I would oh not gosh. eat within two and a half hour window, you know? So I'd uh-huh. eat every two and a half hours and I would be like, okay, five more minutes until I could eat, you know? Oh it was bad. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so um, <laughs> then I incorporate fat in and it's like, oh, I started noticing I was looking at the clock less. I was going yeah. for meals less. I was like, okay, this is cool, you know? Yeah.
1: I'm going to keep doing this.
2: So yeah, yeah, it's really amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, so many people like were told by, you know, like commercials and whoever else that like, we need to eat every few hours and, but we need to maintain our calories. So what is someone like that with that kind of weird conflicting advice? What do they gravitate towards? It's like, and this is them trying to be good and trying to follow the recommendations that they were given. So all this stuff that I'm saying, like, this is, no finger pointing. We have all been fed misinformation or, and it just doesn't work for people, especially for women. And especially for those who have these hormonal imbalances, it's like, we have been trying to follow the rules, but they're just bad. It's bad advice. So what are these people grabbing like hundred calorie packs of like, you know, like it's this tiny amount of food and hardly any nutrition in it. Or like an apple, which there's no, you know, okay, an apple, but like, there's, where's the fat? Where's the protein? You're just going to give yourself these tiny little bursts of carbs, and then you're spiking your blood sugar and insulin all day. So you're just causing these spikes and crashes, spikes and crashes. And what is that doing? It's draining our adrenals. It's depleting us of nutrients, and it's keeping our, our insulin elevated. So even though we're eating such a little amount, we're still at the same weight, if not heavier, than we were before. And, and it could be especially, so disheartening.
2: Right. And especially in somebody that does struggle with insulin resistance, like many mm-hmm. of the women that have PCOS, mm-hmm. you'll you know you'll eat that little snack and your body releases insulin to try to take care of your blood sugar after you've eaten that. But then when that sugar can't get ushered into the cell, you, your body's like, okay well, we better release some more insulin. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? You're hungrier. You're hungrier because all of a sudden you have all this insulin floating around and And your your body's like, oh, I must be doing something wrong. Yep. 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 And so it's really crazy that you get stuck in this vicious cycle. And I don't think it's just for people that, you know, are struggling with PCOS. There's a lot of people struggling with this right now, even when yeah. they're not insulin resistant. Their body is just so adapted to soaring at heights with these with their insulin and their blood sugar that now that it's almost a necessary thing for them.
1: Absolutely. And I on my Instagram, I try to teach people all the time that blood sugar dysregulation is a spectrum. And it starts with just slightly off blood sugar and the end of that spectrum is diabetes is type 2 diabetes so you can be anywhere on the spectrum you could start having some blood sugar issues and that might feel like maybe feel sleepy after a meal or maybe you're tired in the afternoon and you like Are kind of craving coffee or sweets in the afternoon maybe after a meal you're always looking for something sweet so those are like some of the first signs that your blood sugar is a little bit off then later on the symptoms might look a little bit more intense than that so the same symptoms but more intense like you're super tired after a meal you can't go long between meals you start to get a little shaky maybe you're starting it's starting to affect your sleep maybe you can't sleep at night or you wake up at certain points in the middle of the night if you ever wake up and you feel like your heart racing, that's because your blood sugar crashed and your body needed to pump out some epinephrine, which is like, you know, like an EpiPen, like adrenaline to emergency raise your blood sugar. And so there you are, you woke up and your heart's pounding. That is because you have adrenaline floating through your body. So your blood sugar didn't crash and you didn't die, (laughs) literally. So that's Mm -hmm. how affected your blood sugar is. Then you're going to start to see you're not going to feel full so when we have insulin resistance we also get leptin resistance which is our satiety hormone so essentially your body's been like okay i'm full here's the message the hormone that i'm full here's the message and it's like well i'm full but you keep eating i'm full but you keep eating it's like well i'm not going to listen to this anymore so it develops this resistance it's like the boy who cried wolf you know so um then you're you're never satiated. And then we start to see the things with insulin resistance pop up, which would be that like all of the symptoms I mentioned above, but just again, more intense. And then you start to see these other hormonal imbalances kind of pile up on top of that. So it could be estrogen dominance. It could be PCOS. You could be missing your period. You can be having like high cortisol and keeping this weight on your midsection that doesn't go away. You can have fatty liver. Then you start to see all The blood work start to go awry, so high triglycerides, poor um, cholesterol profile. Because a lot of people check these things, you know, this is what they're getting tested at their doctors. But it's also really important to know that your doctor is not paid to, or trained, or get they don't get reimbursed for anything other than treating diabetes. So that means they they don't have any training, and they're not looking to prevent it or or pick up when this is happening so you can start to reverse it and the great news is that even type 2 diabetes is completely reversible so at anywhere we are on the spectrum at any time we can start going back and we can start reversing the trend towards normal blood sugar and this is really important honestly to talk about now with this whole covid thing is that elevated blood sugar insulin resistance and diabetes, even if it's just a temporary elevation in your blood sugar, even if you're a healthy individual, it lowers your immunity. And so you like, but the good thing is that you can do all these things to help improve that. And we can start reversing it by doing the things that I was talking about, especially fasts. You want to do short fasts of 24 hours or under. Um, You want to lower your carbohydrates and get out those really, you know, um, processed carbs and sugars. And you want to start working out and having a good movement practice. You talked about like stress management. So taking some time in your day to do deep breathing and ground yourself and feel your body completely relaxing. Uh, One meditation instructor of mine once one time said that, Relaxation is like a muscle, and the more you relax, the better you get at it. And that always stuck with me because if I go for a while without practicing relaxing, I'm not quite as good at it. Like, I can't get into those deeper states of relaxation. So, doing guided meditations and just going on YouTube and getting a YouTube video that you listen to if you're not good at sitting in silence, which I am not. <laughs> so, um, and you know, staying hydrated, going for walks, getting out in the sun, all this positive self-talk surrounding yourself with community whether it be you know (laughs) from your own living room through zoom or something like that like we need to do all of these health practices and that's why people talk about holistic health that's what holistic is i'm not only here to talk about what's on the end of your fork right it's all of these practices make a difference and are a big piece of the puzzle Granted, what's on the end of your fork might be one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle, but all these other factors need to come into play. And sleep is hugely, hugely important and restorative and all that too. So, But fixing your blood sugar can help fix your sleep. So it's like a win-win. All the practices all together will start to have everything trending towards the right direction. And then not only do you have better blood sugar, but you have better immunity. You have better energy. You have less of a chance of developing chronic disease. So all of these these recommendations are helpful for not only your blood sugar, but so many other things that it's it's really cool because you just treat the root cause and everything else starts to improve. So I love that. That's so awesome. So before we get...
2: Um, finish up here. Mm-hmm. Anybody starting on their journey, um, where do you recommend that they start? And you know, what's your biggest pearl of advice for them?
1: Sure. So I created a free program called the Sugar Free Thirty, and it is it addresses all areas of insulin resistance and inflammation, which are the key contributors to PCOS. Right. So it's a f- it's kind of like a five-step program, but it works on all these areas that are necessary that we talked about. So it's gonna eliminate the processed foods and these inflammatory foods like canola oil and things like that. It's going to make sure you're incorporating nutrient-dense, healthy, real foods. So you're getting all the nourishment that you need. It talks about, um, in the program, we focus on certain hydration, which is appropriate for your body because you can't just say like, oh, drink three liters of water a day. Everyone has different needs. So teach you how to figure that out for yourself. And it incorporates daily walks and working out at least three, uh, I think three to five times a week, but allowing yourself to have those rest days and some sort of stress reduction practice, because we know that stress can just by itself can start to imbalance our blood sugar so if we're really really stressed our blood sugar is going to be a mess and so that's why I was saying earlier I tend to notice that when I'm stressed I hold on to weight in my midsection it's because it's directly affecting my hormones so whether that be a journaling practice or um, doing some sort of yoga or meditation or you know walking your dog or something that you sit down and do specifically with the intention of being relaxed. And so I would say, and then it also has a fasting component. So all of these practices are where I would start with de- because you need to develop a healthy routine. Like I said, the consistency is what's going to do it. So we're going to take out those, the most of the carbohydrates when we're going to add in lots of healthy fats and proteins. And then we're going to start the fasting, the movement and the stress reduction. And all of that is going to immediately start helping you see the results that you want and trending towards your goals. So that would be where I would recommend starting. And I do have a Facebook group. I know not everyone is on Facebook anymore, but um, I do have a Facebook group called sugar free 30 that anyone's welcome to join. And that will just kind of you know, be a little community there of people who are going through the same thing, as well as on my Instagram, I have um, information about the sugar free 30 on my website and my podcast. If you wanted to learn more, my podcast is unlock the sugar shackles and my Instagram, Facebook, and my website are all Danielle Hamilton health. So that'll be easy to find. Awesome. And I'll have you give me all that information for the show
2: notes as well. Perfect. I can put it in there so that people can just go click and it takes them where they need yeah. to go. <laughs> That makes life so much easier. Yep. So, yeah, well, I'm so thankful for you coming on and chatting with me today. You are a wealth of knowledge, and I'm sure that all sorts of women are, and men are going to, um, you know, get a lot of pearls out of this. So, thank oh, you so, thank so, so you. much for taking the time.
1: Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. I can, like, nerd out. We speak the same language, you know.
0: <laughs> I, uh-huh. lo- I love
1: that. <laughs> it's nice yes. meeting like minded people. So, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. All right. Take care.
0: That about wraps up today's episode with Danielle. I'm so thankful that she took the time to come on and tell her story, talk about her journey with PCOS and what she has done to help heal herself. I think a lot of people that are struggling with PCOS or autoimmune conditions have a lot they can learn from her. So definitely check out her podcast, look her up on social media. She has some great resources there. Thank you so, so much for tuning in again, and I look forward to talking to you next time.